Welcome back to the Take Me Later podcast. This is episode nine, and for this one, I had Raphael Johnson, who works with me at NBC Sports Edge slash Roto World, uh, join me to discuss these teams, discuss dynasty outlooks. Uh, Raph's not only one of the hardest working people I know, but he's also very knowledgeable, so a lot of great insight coming on this episode. Before we get into it, just a quick reminder to make sure you like, subscribe, comment on, rate this podcast wherever you consume it. It helps increase the visibility of it. Um, and help share it with more people, as well as making sure you subscribe to my Substack at noahrubin.substack.com, not Substack, um, to be able to check out tri-weekly columns where I break down Dynasty Outlooks. Right now, I'm still going team by team, but we're almost done with those, so we're going to get into different Dynasty content, especially with the draft approaching. A lot of exciting times for the Dynasty community, for fantasy basketball, as we're now probably about four four and a half months from the next regular season starting where all the redraft people will be getting back into it but at that point you're already going to know everything about every team so you're going to be ready for your redraft and your dynasty leagues keeper leagues whatever league you're playing in plenty of information to go on through there and then as always if you have any sort of fantasy slash basketball or fantasy basketball or dynasty related questions comments that you want to share uh, you can find me on twitter at noahrubin22 Feel free to DM me or just tweet at me, and I will either respond to those on Twitter or maybe even on the podcast, just to kind of talk about some extra content, any extra questions that may be had. But until then, here's the episode. All right, welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. My name is Noah Rubin, and today I am joined by Roto World slash NBC Sports Edge's own Raphael Johnson uh, to discuss his Knicks as well as the 76ers and the Lakers, uh, give dynasty outlooks for that. Uh, before we get into that and also how he got into what he does, Raph, we just had Frank Vogel signed to be the head coach of the Suns. I think by the time this comes out, it won't be breaking news anymore, mm-hmm. but I still want to get your initial thoughts on that hire after they just uh, fired Monty Williams and lost in six to the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, first and foremost, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I think in terms of the Frank Vogel hire, I think it's a good one. Um, he's most known for what he does defensively with teams. You know, you think back to that title team with the Lakers, 2019-20, they were an elite defensive team. Um, then offensively, you know, you, you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis to kind of carry things down in the bubble. Different players with a similar situation. You think about Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. You know, they can handle a lot of the the offensive load for them. The key is going to be how they fill out that roster around those guys. Um, Chris Paul, I think, I'm pretty sure they're going to guarantee his contract for next season. But as we all know, that doesn't guarantee they don't try to use that contract to make a move to improve the roster. Um, DeAndre Ayton didn't seem too thrilled with Monty Williams over the last year plus there in Phoenix. Do they move on from him or, or do they try to do something else? You also recall they didn't exactly offer him a con- the contract he was looking for. You know, the contract he has now is offered to him by the Pacers and the Suns decided to match it. It saved them money, but you kind of wonder if there's still some lingering hard feelings down there. So obviously, as we saw in the playoff series, they just ran out of gas, not enough options. They're going to have to fortify that bench somehow, but. I think if they do that, I think Frank Vogel is going to be a good hire for them. Yeah, and you mentioned having or guaranteeing Chris Paul's contract. Aside from their, I guess, core four, they only have a few other guys under contract at all. They have Landry Shamit, who's owed $10.25 million. Yeah. Uh, campaign, who if they keep him around, $6.5 million, And then Ish Wainwright may get $2 million off a team option. So they could be a very different roster if they build it out mm-hmm. right like you mentioned, defensive priority. When you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, probably don't need to focus as much on building out the offense around them. So I think mm-hmm. with defense, can definitely be more competitive. I mean, they were competitive with Denver in that series. So you mentioned they ran out of gas. They didn't have Chris Paul the last two or three games, didn't have Aiton for the last one. So mm-hmm. should have high expectations going into next season. Pretty good hire uh, off the bat. We'll see how it goes, though. But, Raph, we'll talk about how you got into what you do. I know you just... I don't know, remember how recently, but you were talking with Adam King about it on his podcast. But how did you kind of get into the role you're in? How did you get your start writing about basketball? Um, I started writing about college basketball. 
Um, I want to say about 2004, I started writing for a now defunct website, collegehoops.net. Um, that, at that point, I was just focusing on like Seton Hall basketball. So I just wrote up articles on that throughout the year, expanded things as we went along. Eventually, I did well enough to have Mike Miller, who used to work at NBC, reach out to me to help out with um, college basketball talk. Um, that was a fun time. Got to cover the 2014 Final Four. Um, in person, did a lot of cool things with them. And eventually it became a point where the Roto World side of things, they needed some help in terms of like, you know, college players, NBA draft type stuff. Um, they had someone else, Ed, Ed Isaacson, who was doing it for a while. And then they reached out to me one time because I was kind of low on hours. You know, I went from full time back down to part time. You want to do this for the extra money? I mean, we all like money. So it's like, yeah, go ahead and do that. I uh, picked up some extra things and eventually I was able to switch over to them full time for a bit. And then obviously the pandemic kind of changed things up a bit and got back on in 2020 full time. Um, it's been overall, it's been pretty fun and enriching experience. Obviously, we had some hiccups with the company. Um, we'll probably get into that a bit more a little bit later. But yeah, overall, um, I started out with a college basketball background. Fancy basketball, I played it, but it wasn't something I wrote about much. So this is still kind of a learning experience for me, but I'm enjoying it. And before we get into, you know, you mentioned what's, I guess, the hiccups, we called it. Um, there was something you said on Adam's uh, podcast where you said you just kind of walked on to the football team. Uh, I think or you, yeah. at Arizona. I was at Arizona, yeah. You just um, walked, I never played football, just walked onto a Division One football team. Yeah, it was like my high school, the high school coach would ask me if I wanted to play. It's like, you can play wide receiver. I'm like, you guys don't throw. <laughs> and and so I was like, I didn't do that. It was like, I, I want to experience it. Like I started out at Seton Hall in my freshman year, but everyone pretty much went home on weekends and obviously they didn't have a football team. So I was like, I need some excitement, you know, fall Saturdays instead of just sitting in my dorm watching on TV. So I transferred to Arizona. I just figured – Let's try out, see what happens. The worst thing, worst thing you can tell you is that you're not going to make the team. Um, but I somehow made it. I think one of the most humbling experiences for me as an athlete was thinking I ran like a good forty time, and they're like, "No, nah, you ran like a five and one." I'm like, "Wow, <laughs> that's that's slow." Um, but did enough to make the team that 2001 season. It was an experience. Like I learned that I wasn't cut from that cloth of being able to play football at that level of physicality, but a lot of great memories in terms of, you know, what we went through on a daily basis there. Yeah. I, when I heard you say that on the, on Adam's podcast, it just blew my mind. He just kind of casually walked onto a division one football team. Power five just surprised me. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. uh, was there anybody from that team that went on to play in the NFL? Anybody notable? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Lance Briggs, um, okay. Bobby Wade. Let's see who else. Uh, Clarence Farmer played in Seattle for a bit. Um, Jason gotcha. Johnson, quarterback. He was draft pick for the Bills. So we had a few guys. Um, kind of slipping my mind a couple of them, yeah. but yeah, that was Dang. an interesting, interesting bunch. Like I watched yeah. Clarence Farmer shatter the backboard and in the rec center. <laughs> Like no, the teammate Andre Thurman, who also played in the NBA, he says Clarence, go do a windmill. Does a windmill and the backboard just shatters. <laughs> it's like, all right, man. That's so. that's nuts. Um, but we'll we'll get back to current NBC. Um, obviously, I, I don't think I think a lot of people knew about the layoffs, but I don't know yeah. if there's many people outside of me, you, and Zach and, and Justin that really knew. Yeah. what an average week looked like for us. Cause like, I know I worked a lot, but I also know you probably worked double what I worked. And I felt like I was doing a lot. So what, yeah. I think you said on Adam's podcast that an, an off day for you was not working a double. So yeah, exactly. What, what did an average week look like for you? <laughs> yeah. So uh, first and foremost, you know, just signing on from like an afternoon shift and, getting the shocking news that like four, like five of our coworkers were laid off. I didn't hear anything about it. And it's like, well, you're in charge now. I'm like what? So it's like, at that point you're in season three weeks in kind of have to just go, you know, you really didn't have much time to process it. I'm sure you and Zach 
felt the same way in terms of trying to figure things out. But um, yeah, it pretty much, I think until we brought Justin on, which may have been about what, January or so, I think. I think so, something like that. So it was pretty much me in the morning. And then if we had either you or Zach in the afternoon, and then I'd come back on at night to help with games because it's just three of us. We had to figure it out. I think there are a couple of times where I was on like an 11 or 13 game night by myself because you guys weren't available. Um, I have no problem with that, obviously, because you guys are both part timers and it's like you got to get your money somehow. So if you have other things you guys have to do, I'm not going to hold you back from that. So, right. You know, I'm sure some readers are like, hey, these are kind of light on blurbs. Like, Man, I'm covering 13 games. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, it is what One it is. Band. But Yeah, exactly. So it was an experience. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That's the best way I can put it. You know, it certainly was, it fortunate was... to have a job, but it's like I need some help. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't think anybody would because I remember there was, I think it was pretty early on after that, mm-hmm. maybe it'd been like November layoffs in October. Yeah. Somebody like tweeted at us and said, are you guys ever going to add any premium content? I'm like, buddy, there's three of us. Like we're barely yeah. doing player news. We can't do mm-hmm. all this other premium content. Like, I'm sorry. That's yeah. the way it worked out. But I mean, yeah, your, your work ethic during that, I don't know how much you've been applauded for it, but you deserve every bit of applause for it because mm-hmm. I mean, you put your head down for six months straight working. I don't know. I'm going to guess 60 hours a week. Um, That's probably on the low end. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> I, I thought I was overshooting it. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. But, yeah, it was definitely a fun experience. Um, we went out with the Blaze of Glory, 15 games yeah. on, uh, it was <laughs> Easter Sunday. Yep. So, yeah, <laughs> that was a yeah. fun time. So, yeah, you mentioned that the premium part. Like, that's what I felt worst about. It's like you have people paying for a product. And we can't provide it for him. Like, it's not out of not wanting to. We just didn't have the, the bodies or the time to do it. So, you know, yeah. I think it's good to have this time to kind of wind down. Obviously, we had the NBA draft coming up. But overall, I think we'll be able to do a bit more in terms of figuring out what we can do for next season as opposed to finding out what we can – what's going to happen in, like, early November. Yeah, I think having – the summer to kind of plan for what that'll yeah. look like mm-hmm. as opposed to, because everything happened. I think it, I don't remember if it was still during the preseason or if the regular season had just started, but. Oh, we were was, like into the, yeah, okay. we were into the regular season. Okay. So yeah, I mean, there wasn't any time to kind of plan. Okay. Like, yeah. I guess this is what the season will look like. It was, Oh, there's now six open shifts over the next three days, fill mm-hmm. them and just keep, <laughs> just stay afloat for the next mm-hmm. six months. Then we'll figure it out when it slows down. But yeah, certainly, uh, certainly an experience. So I, I'm sure next season will almost feel easy in comparison to what hopefully mm-hmm. uh, feel easier than comparison to what this season looked like. But um, I've been waiting to get you on. I wanted to get you on earlier. I expected to get you on earlier because I didn't mm-hmm. think the Knicks were going to get out of the first round, like <laughs> respectfully. Uh, but I wanted I to it. get you on for the Knicks. But mm-hmm. um, so we'll start with them because I figure we can probably get more in depth with them. Um, yeah. Let's see. Oh, let me pull up exactly how they finished. Um, 47 and 35. They would have the 23rd pick in the draft, but it'll go to Portland. Uh, fifth in the East. Upset, if you call it an upset. I, I'd, I'd call it an upset. Cleveland in the first round. Uh, five games, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then lost mm-hmm. to Miami in, was it six. five games? Six. It was six. Okay. Lost to Miami in six games. Raph, what were your expectations? We'll, we'll actually start way at the beginning. What did you initially think about the Jalen Brunson signing? I thought it was big. I didn't think it would be as big as it turned out to be, but think about the history of the point guard position with the Knicks since Charlie Ward. It wasn't very good. Like They've had some big names in that spot, but no real continuity, no point guard that the team could get behind as a leader, so... You know, Jalen Brunson, I expected him to really help at that level immediately. I didn't think he would be a borderline all-NBA player, as he was. And he was pretty much the reason why they took two games off of Miami in the second round. So, And they had a chance to win that game six. So I think he was the biggest surprise. 
as you mentioned with that 23rd pick, that went to Portland and Josh Hart deal. That's another nice addition, really good addition for that team. He's got a player option, which I think anyone with a, the right frame of mind expects him to opt out of. I think he's a crucial guy to bring back, given what he gave them, whether starting or coming off the bench. But, yeah, I thought this was a team at first glance maybe playing. I didn't think they'd finish fifth. You know, they had a chance to get as high as fourth. But there's too big of a gap there between them and Cleveland. And then to beat the Cavs in five games, the way that they did with Julius Randle with his injury issues, um, that was pretty, that was big time for them. So really encouraged about this group heading into the offseason. To do it against Donovan Mitchell as well after yeah. there was rumors that they were yeah. going to get him. I thought it was pretty storybook for them to be able <laughs> mm-hmm. to turn around and do that. Um, if you look at the Knicks last season, I think because they were the four seed and then they missed the playoffs and then they were the mm-hmm. fifth seed again. Last season, there wasn't much fantasy value coming out of New York. I think Mitchell Robinson was the only guy to be a top 100 player. It was kind of mm-hmm. like you're, you're pretty much avoiding Knicks where you can because yeah. Tom Thibodeau is playing five guys 40 minutes and then – Whatever else happens, happens. But mm-hmm. there was solid value. Uh, Julius Randle got back to being a top 100 guy. Josh Hart finished exactly 100th, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Brunson, top 40 guy. Do you think now that I guess I personally thought Brunson was a very big contract, almost too big, but now mm-hmm. it's looking like an absolute bargain. Do you think yeah. top 40 is something that we should expect from him going forward now that he's pretty much, I, I'd say, the guy in New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that might be his floor. Um, I'd give him a, an outside chance of being a top 25 player. I think that would be as high as I'd be willing to go with him from a fantasy standpoint. But like you mentioned, they re-signed Josh Hart. You essentially have four fantasy guys that you have to have drafted between he, Brunson, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. Um, beyond Mitchell Robinson, I think Isaiah Hartenstein is someone to keep an eye out for just because of Robinson's past injury issues. Um, Andy he stepped up as a, a concrete rotation guy for them. Quentin Grimes intrigues me as a late round guy, but I think it'll be easier to explain drafting RJ Bear as opposed to Quentin Grimes just because of the usage and roles and when you compare those two. But I don't know. I think the top four in terms of fantasy value are the guys I'd be focused on. Yeah. Um so then if we're looking at uh, Julius Randle, so we'll talk about Julius Randle mm-hmm. real quick. Uh, 94th, I think I think Basketball Monster has him at 94th, but I think with the, when you do the full season, it actually really messes up and includes the playoffs. So I'm going to adjust it really quickly. Yeah. To just I think he's do... just inside the top 75 for okay. a regular season. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the playoffs limited him a little bit. Okay. Now that I'm looking at the accurate regular season numbers, just inside the top 75 after kind of a down season, I wasn't high on him coming into it. Are we Mm -hmm. just expecting him to continue to flip flop years where he's good and then he's bad and we should avoid him next season and bank on the bounce back the year after, or is this something that was pretty much a joke, but like something we can actually expect (laughs) him to sustain top 75 or top 100 value for the next few seasons. Yeah, I think so. Just because of the Brunson addition, you know, you don't have the ball in Randall's hands as much in terms of serving as like a playmaker. He can just get the ball and go because I think that's where he got in trouble the season prior where he was being asked to do a little bit too much offensively and getting his shot and maybe setting some other guys up as well. So I think top 75 would be fair for, for Randall heading into next season. Yeah. And so if we're looking, I guess, either a couple of years into the future or even next season, they have, you mentioned Quentin Grimes, they have Emmanuel Quickly as well, who almost was yeah, a top 100 guy this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obi Toppin wasn't much of a fantasy guy this year, but I still think that they have a couple of young guys that have a lot of upside. Yeah. Do you think, because I know Quickly's basically playing behind Brunson at this point mm-hmm. and probably not going to start, Obi Toppin's not going to start over Julius Randle. Is there anybody that, it, like in the dynasty league, that you would definitely say, okay, I'm gonna a stash this guy? I think quickly is probably more of a given. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, do you see them being able to actually cash in on their potential? That's tough. I think quickly would be the one I would hold, if anything, um, just because we've heard his name come up in trade rumors. Um, he's extension eligible this summer, as is Obi Toppin. 
I think if I were to bet on on that, quickly would be the one more likely to get an extension. Um, but if he were to be moved, I think he would end up in a play, position where he would be more more prominently used within a rotation than he is in New York. Like he had some big games when he got to start, um, either for Brunson or next to him. But like you mentioned, Brunson's going to play like 35, 36 minutes a night. Uh, quickly can play the two, but that puts him in a difficult spot when you talk about dynasty value. Uh, but I think you stash him late and kind of hope that something happens on a trade front for him. Yeah. Um, I'm saving the best for last, so I'll, I'll hit one more point. Uh, Scott Perry was the GM, uh, had an extension in 2021 after making the playoffs. They didn't extend him this time after making the playoffs. I don't know a ton about Scott Perry. Do you think that was a good yeah. move? It doesn't really surprise me just because, you know, Leon Rose didn't hire him. Perry was left over from the previous regime. So if anything, I'm a bit surprised that Perry lasted as long as he did. Um, I thought he did some good work in terms of giving him some flexibility a couple seasons ago. Some of those veteran signings were head scratchers. They talk about like Alec Burks. I think the worst one was Evan Fournier, um, who's probably going to get moved this summer. I would assume if they can fight, figure out a way to get that contract off the books. But I didn't think he was terrible. We've seen far worse general managers in New York than Scott Perry. I'll put it that way. Do you think, I guess it will depend on who they bring in. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that could change, I guess, kind of the outlook for the team in a for better or for worse? I don't think it will change too much because, like I mentioned, Leon Rose is going to be calling the shots either way. So, yeah, I don't think anything's going to change too much. I think if anyone, if anything, he's probably going to hire someone who he's worked with before, um, even though he did come in as an agent in his prior professional career. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to change too much in terms of the, the traje- trajectory of this franchise. But, and I said I was saving the best for last, and so I'm actually going to bring him up. You're oh, yeah. Raphael's favorite New York Knicks player of all time. <laughs> Actually, before I even ask that, who is your favorite Nick of all time? Patrick Ewing. It is. You know, he's okay. the one that I grew up watching. So obviously Clyde Frazier would be in that mix too. But I think for someone my age or even younger, we know him as an announcer more so than as a player. Obviously, okay. he's a great player, Hall of Famer, but you didn't see him live as opposed to Patrick he gave everything to the Knicks. Um, didn't win a championship, but he played through a lot, and he was an exceptional talent for the franchise. So I'm going to go with Patrick. Yeah. my I don't even know if I've told you this before. I'm a Jets fan because my dad grew up in okay. on Long Island, fan yeah. of a bunch of New York teams, was a Knicks fan. His two favorites are Bernard King and John Stark. So I was just curious what yours right. were. Yeah. Right. Um, but the modern-day – Bernard King, basically. R.J. Barrett. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't mean that. <laughs> um, R.J. Barrett was 291st in nine cat this season. Um, yeah. The wonderful. former number three overall pick. I don't know any other ways to hype him up. Raph, is there any hope for R.J. Barrett to save the Knicks? Save the Knicks? No. <laughs> I think that's going to be Jalen Brunson's, Jalen Brunson's cup of tea, so to speak, but we saw some good things from him in the playoffs. I thought the first couple games of that Cleveland series, he really struggled. Then he got better. Um, my issue with him has long been if his shot isn't falling, he really didn't offer much else. And that's not good for fantasy value either, obviously. But Bud did a better job of that in the Cleveland series. Uh, early portion of the Miami series as well, obviously, didn't work out the way that they wanted it to. But I would hope that if he can take the positives from his playoff run into the summer, he can be a bit more reliable from a fantasy standpoint. He pretty much has to be drafted because he's a starter who's going to play heavy minutes, but he's not a starter that you're going to target in like the middle rounds. I think he's a late round guy and you just kind of hope that he doesn't torpedo your your field goal percentage if you're in a category league. So what's his ceiling? We've seen him go as high as 173 in nine cat. That's that's his best so far. He had a stellar second season. Um, What's his ceiling? Is it is he ever going to be a top 150 guy? Is is he actually going to become a good fantasy player one day, or is he destined to be a plays 35 minutes, scores 20 points, but isn't a top 200 guy? 
I think that's going to partially depend on what the Knicks can do with the roster. Um, the the clear difference between them and Miami is that Miami had a bona fide star and and Jimmy Butler, as good as Brunson was, they don't the Knicks don't have that guy right now. Now, if you were to add that guy with Barrett still in the fold, I think that would really help him because being a third option, a third or fourth option as opposed to what he is right now. I'd say he's more of a three right now, but even be even further further down the totem pole if he can. I think that would improve his fantasy value. You know, fewer shots, he may not like it, but I think it would give him a better chance at efficiency and giving you production in other areas of his game. Yeah. I'm just going to look real quick, make sure is there anybody else on the Knicks? Do we want to talk about, like, is there any hope for Jericho Sims behind Isaiah Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson? Probably not. Probably not, no. And Derrick Rose isn't making a legendary comeback? No, I I wonder if Derrick Rose may be moving on this summer too. Okay, so he can probably just go hold a bench roll somewhere else. Yeah. And mm-hmm. No, he didn't even – he hardly played after, what was it, December or January. He yeah. basically mm-hmm. sat the bench the entire season. So, yeah, that's probably – unless you have any – if you want to give us any last thoughts about the Knicks – that we didn't talk about maybe any, any reason for optimism. Um, yeah, I think they had a good, good run this year. A uh, good finish. Uh, Brunson's contract is a good one that it decreases each season moving forward. So they're going to have some flexibility. I think Leon Rose has largely done a good job in terms of putting together that roster. Um, I just hope that they don't do something crazy like trade for like Carl Anthony Towns. I really do not want that to happen. Um, yeah, please, please don't let that happen. But I think <laughs> otherwise, I, I, I'm in a pretty good spot in my Knicks fandom right now. Well, banking on a New York team to not try and make a big splash is, is not the safest bet. But hopefully, because I think, like you said, I don't, I don't know how well – because Tom Thibodeau coached him in Minnesota. And yeah. I don't know how well Cat necessarily fits – what Tibbs has tried to bring to New York as far as the defense, heavy minutes, culture, being physically tough, being mentally tough. I don't know if Carl Anthony Towns really fits that, but a star in New York is something you can probably bank on. We've all heard the Jimmy Butler story. I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. Did you – this is a little off topic. Did you hear Jeff Teague tell about it? Yes. Yes, Yes, I did. (laughs) that was legendary um but we'll move on to a team that's also lost in the second round and i think that if you were to make a preseason bet for next season it would be another second round exit Mm -hmm. they've lost in the second round five of the past six seasons and the one time that they didn't it was because they got swept in the first round the philadelphia 76ers um who had according to basketball monster five top 100 guys technically six because louis king Mm -hmm. Played a game and <laughs> yeah. was awesome, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not actually going to count that. So they're four of their starting five, and then the Anthony Melton who started a good bit, mm-hmm. as well as PJ Tucker off the bench. Um, they just they fired Doc Rivers. Um, there was rumors because of James Harden not wanting him gone. Don't know how much of a factor that played in, especially because there's rumors that Harden wants to leave and go back to Houston. Yeah. Uh, but then they brought in Nick Nurse just to – we'll start with the coaching because we just did that for the Suns as well. Um, what do you think of Nick Nurse playing with his rival or coaching his rival, Joel Embiid? That's going to be interesting. I know we, we had the jokes about Nick Nurse and his reluctance to use his bench in Toronto. Um, I think some people may be worried about that in relation to Joel Embiid. Because as we've seen, you know, his durability has improved in recent years, but he's not someone that you want to have playing 38 minutes per game, um, as we saw some of those stars in Toronto doing. That may be a conservative number for them, but I think the James Harden situation, he's he's expected to opt out of the final year of his deal. Whether that big payday comes in Philadelphia or somewhere else, I don't know. you know, Nick Nurse during his press conference on Thursday said he, if he was to sell James on anything, it would be on winning. Um, uh, Nick Nurse does have a championship, a recent one, um, but 
He doesn't really know him. You know, he, he hasn't played for him before. So it'd be interesting to see how that goes over in relation to the money conversation. Um, because I'd imagine after leaving money on the table with that last deal to sign PJ Tucker and Daniel House, he's going to want more on this end. So we'll see what happens there. But you've got some interesting free agents. You know, George Niang, Jalen McDaniels, they're both unrestricted. Uh, Paul Reed's a restricted free agent. I think he's someone that a lot of us have wanted to see play more over the years. For whatever reason, Doc Rivers really didn't want to play him too much until it was basically too late for him as far as his job security was concerned. But an interesting roster, a new head coach, and they don't have any draft picks. So I guess we can kind of skip over that portion of the dynasty yeah. conversation. Yeah. The uh, the minutes thing I think is just almost kind of funny because you yeah. saw Nick – we saw Nick Nurse. I mean, we what he did in Toronto. Like <laughs> the starters just played the majority of the game. But if we look at – Philadelphia and what Doc Rivers was doing, it was pretty similar with the stars. I mean, Joel Embiid played 34.6 minutes per game. Mm -hmm. Harden was almost at 37. Tobias Harris was at 33. Maxi was at almost 34. So I don't personally, I don't see the rotation changing a ton. Obviously, I don't yeah. think Nick Nurse is going to say, I'm going to play Joel Embiid 40 minutes per game and just run his knees into the ground. Like, <laughs> he's just not going to do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I could see Joel Embiid playing exactly 65 games and to mm -hmm. meet that threshold to get awards and playing probably about 34, 35 minutes per game yeah. again next season. Is he a guy? Cause he finished second in nine cat this season, I believe third the season before is, is that kind of where he's going to be for a couple more seasons? Or do you think his play starts to slip a little bit? I think he can stay there. Um, I don't see him being number one unless Nikola Jokic decides to suddenly retire and, you know, <laughs> ride his horses. But into the sunset other than that, now. yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, I think he can definitely be a top five player. Um, he's someone that the durability has improved, but you're kind of thinking as long as he's out there, you know, you get 55, 60 games out of him. You're going to get top five value. I think Anthony Davis, we'll talk about him a bit later, obviously, but that's someone else that fit in that category right now. So, yeah, I think he can definitely stay in that top five, maybe even top three um, level in terms of production for the next few seasons. And this isn't really a fantasy question, but if, if we look at what Joel Embiid has done, I mentioned the five out of six seasons in losing in the second round and getting swept in the first round, the only other season – so many players get criticized for their playoff performances or when they lose, yeah. but we've seen a lot of the guys that have gotten criticized, such as James Harden, you know, Kevin Durant has rings, but every time they lose, he gets criticized. Mm -hmm. Nikola Jokic was being called empty stats for a while. <laughs> I don't my Trey young has been called empty stats. I know that yeah. very mm -hmm. clearly, but that he has made an Eastern conference finals. Joel Embiid's never made it past the second round. And I know that if you look back, there's a pretty valid reason half the time. I mean, one time it was Kawhi Leonard had a buzzer beater in game seven that yeah. bounced around four times. Like the other time was Ben Simmons. Like that was an mm -hmm. issue. So there's, there's reasons, but why do you think, unless you think that he is fairly criticized, why do you think that Embiid may not be criticized in the way that other players are or, um, maybe not why, but do you kind of just find it interesting, I guess? I do, but it doesn't really surprise me. You think back early in his career when he was actively playing, he took on that kind of like troll, you know, persona. And I think maybe that plays into it some with, with people with some of the criticism of him. It's like, you know, you had a lot to say before, so we're going to get it back now. Um, maybe that's got something to do with it. Um, the other part, maybe like I think the critiques of his game are, are fair. I've always wondered if sometimes he hangs out on a perimeter because people tell him to just stay in the block. Like, you know, I'm going to do what I want, even if the team may be better served if I'm on the block, just kind of battering my opponent and scoring a quick two. Like, obviously, he's a very good free throw shooter. So if they foul him, he's going to get you two points that way as well. So. I think the criticism has been fair. I do wonder if some of his words early in his career may be playing into why there's a little bit more criticism these days. But yeah, I think overall it's been pretty fair. If you're the star, the leader of a team, 
you're going to be expected to win, especially when you have a roster like Philadelphia. So to whom much is given, much is required. Yeah, and I think, honestly, if you look at Embiid, he's one of the least guardable players in the NBA currently. Mm -hmm. And I just get frustrated watching him flop because he doesn't need to. He's (laughs) one of the guys that I'm like, you're seven foot and can knock down mid-range and even threes, but mid-range with Mm -hmm. the best of them and you have elite post moves. Why are you flopping? Like, like yeah. I, for example, I'm, I'm going to probably continue to bring up Trey Young because Hawks, whatever. <laughs> but when I watched, uh, it was against Minnesota when Jaden McDaniels was just like locking Trey up. Like, he could yeah. not do much. He's a smaller point guard. So he was doing his thing where he bounces back and throws the ball up, mm-hmm. gets a call. And I get it. It's frustrating. But he's six foot one. I'm like, okay, yeah. like, clearly you just weren't able to score, trying mm-hmm. to do your thing. I get it. Joel Embiid is seven foot and basically unguardable. So I'm like, there's no reason for him to flop. He doesn't have to. He can just score. So that's my little mini rant um, (laughs) on Embiid. But we can move on to – we'll we'll talk about Harden next. If if you were to make a guess, do you think that he sticks around in Philly or do you think he goes back to Houston and tries to lead that young squad to – whatever he wants to lead them to and just kind of be Houston Harden again, put up numbers. I think he's going to stay because I don't know if one Houston Harden exists anymore. I don't think he's going to be able to play at that level throughout the course of an entire season. And secondly, I have a hard time thinking that Ime Udoka is going to let him just show up and kind of do whatever he wants as he was able to do under like Mike D'Antoni. So with that being the case, I think he, he would be best served to stick with a team that has a better chance of contending right now. Um, who knows what's going to happen with Houston in terms of that roster as a whole. They've got some interesting young talents, but they just really haven't been able to put it together. That's why Steven Silas was fired, obviously. But I think if you're James Harden, there may be some frustrations in terms of the role with Doc Rivers, but I think with Nick Nurse, it may be a little bit better for him um, to at least see what what it's going to be about. And and I don't know if he's going to get the max contract that he may be looking for. Yeah. And I personally, I hope he stays, even if it would be kind of cool or funny, honestly, to see him demand a trade out of Houston, then demand a trade out of Brooklyn, then just go, just to go back to Houston. I think it's funny, but they have the number four overall pick. Amen. Amen Thompson. I think it's Amen. Uh, I hope they Amen. it is Amen. okay. I hope they take him at four. I think he can mm-hmm. be point guard of the future. I think adding in James Harden just complicates that so much. So yeah. I kind of hope he stays for that reason. Like you said, it's his best chance to contend. Um, the Seventy Sixers should be better. I mean, we sh- we saw him in that series against Boston mm-hmm. without. I believe Joel Embiid was out for Game One. And Harden went and dropped 40, and they won in Boston. And then there was another yeah. game that he dropped 40. He has bits and pieces, but then there's obviously also the other games where he was in the teens. Mm-hmm. So I I think regardless of where he ends up, whether it's in Philly or Houston or some other team, I, there was rumors about the Suns being interested. I seriously doubt that. Um, that would, <laughs> that would yeah. be an interesting squad there. But wherever he ends up, I still think – that he'll be a very competent fantasy player, even if he has mm-hmm. kind of lost the step. He's not the same player he was. Just because pretty much wherever he goes, I think there's a chance he continues to be among the league leaders in assists. Like yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think that's something that he kind of started doing more when he started playing in Brooklyn alongside Kyrie and KD, because I think there was only one other season that he was really like a top-tier assist guy in Houston, and yeah. that was the MVP season. And then now he seems to be more of a, an assist guy than a scorer. And I think that's something that he'll continue to do, especially in Philly, but really kind of wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the days of him averaging 30-plus per game in terms of points, those are gone, I, I think. Um, but the assists, like you mentioned, he'll have ample opportunities to keep those numbers high between Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, those are all guys who can capably finish passes that, that Harden throws out there. So, Yeah. Um, D'Anthony Melton, who was kind of a fantasy superstar even mm-hmm. when Harden and Maxi were out, 
do you think that with Nick Nurse and kind of what he likes to do defensively, just being a defensive coach, Melton could see a larger role? I mean, we saw them at times experiment with Maxie as the sixth man. I don't know if they go back to that or not, but do you think that Melton, I mean, he was 76, he was yeah. one spot ahead of Tyrese Maxey uh, this past season, really good at providing threes and steals when he gets the opportunity. Is he a guy that just because of the Nick nurse hire that you'd probably think of a little higher than if Doc Rivers was still in town? Yeah, I think either way, I would still have him as like a middle round guy. Um, I think nurse will be able to use him a little bit better than Doc may have, especially defensively, you know, Obviously, OG Ananobi was a starter in Toronto, so a little bit of a difference there. But what Melton can give you defensively in terms of the steals and the blocks, that gives him fancy value immediately. And I think he'll be able to do even more uh, offensively, especially if he's on that second unit. And if James Harden were to leave, he's someone I think would be able to step up right away in terms of usage. Would he start? I'm not sure. I would assume so, but you kind of have a smaller backcourt between he and Maxi at that point if you do that. But either way, I think Melton is someone that I really like his fantasy outlook coming into next season, going into next season, I should say. Yeah, and you mentioned we've been talking about Harden. If he leaves, Maxi would probably start at point guard. Yeah. I think he was 77th this season. The year before, he was 57th mm-hmm. in nine cat scoring. How early, I guess, in redraft, how early could would you draft him next season if, if Harden's gone? I think I would take a flyer on him by the end of the fourth, um, if not earlier, a little bit earlier, maybe like start of – if you're at that three-slash-four turn, maybe take him with that second pick um, because, you know, you're there. I don't think he's going to be on the board when he comes back around to your pick. But, yeah, no James Harden. I think Maxie's someone that – Fancy managers should really target within the top 50 um, at a minimum next season. Yeah. And whether it's next season or way later on, like James Harden's going to end up leaving at some point. He's Mm -hmm. 31. No, excuse me. That was Spotrack is off. (laughs) Uh, He is almost 34. He'll be 34 at the start of next season. So assuming he's not LeBron James and plays six more seasons, probably three to four, and then he's retired, mm-hmm. potentially leaving Philly earlier than that. Max, he's only going to be 23 at the start of next season. So at some point, he's probably going to be, I mean, you said late fourth round, it's top 50. Do you think, assuming he is the starting point guard of the future for this Philly team, if within the next few seasons, how high do you think he can get? Do you think he's third round, maybe even second? I think third round would be a safe projection for him at that point. Um, He's extension eligible this summer. I think he's someone that Philadelphia would be wise to lock up for the long term. So, yeah, you know, you get into a situation where he's their point guard of the future. I think third round would be would be more than fair for him. Yeah. So I guess it's just kind of what kind of playmaking is he doing? Because last, excuse me, I guess two seasons ago. When James Harden didn't play, he averaged 4.5 assists. And then when Harden Mm -hmm. didn't play this season, sorry, I'm pulling up the numbers, 5.4 assists. So not exactly doing a ton of playmaking, but I think the amount of scoring kind of makes up for that. He would be the second scoring option, still gets you a steal. So in 13 games without Harden just this past season, he averaged 24.8 points, 1.1 steals, 3.2 threes. Saw 19.7 shot attempts. So I think maybe that changes under Nick Nurse as opposed to Doc Rivers. But I think that Maxi has so much upside. It's just kind of waiting basically for Harden to leave Philly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, you mentioned we, Tobias Harris. He's just – okay, so three seasons ago, 28th and 9-cat. Two seasons ago, 60th. This past season, 55th. That's probably with the playoffs, though. But just kind of hovering around that 50-ish range. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that changing? Do you think that he's going to drop off? Do you think that 
he could get back to top 30. That was before Harden. So I don't know if, yeah. if Harden leaves, is that helping him? Like what does Tobias Harris look like in the future? I think a potential Harden exit could help him, but not to the level where he was producing and with the Clippers before that trade. Um, I mean, if anything, he's someone that you may draft like a top 75 pick, maybe not too much earlier than that. And if you get better production, you're fine with it, but he's not someone that I would really be targeting to like the fifth round or something like that. I think close to like sixth or seventh is when I would take Tobias off the board personally. Yeah. Just kind of, I don't know. I feel like for a guy that's that consistently around the top 50, I think pretty low of him. And I feel like discourse around him is very low, despite him Mm -hmm. pretty consistently being a good contributor in fantasy. He's the that other... consistent meal that you kind of take for granted from a fantasy <laughs> standpoint. Like yeah. It's there, it's reliable, but you're not. It's not that like five star gourmet dinner that you're really going to be excited to eat. You know, that's how yeah. I would kind of sum him up fantasy wise. I guess looking at it, he's not. He's just kind of average across the board in every single yeah. category. He doesn't excel mm-hmm. anywhere. So I guess that that might be a little bit of the reason why because. Mm-hmm. I mean, basketball monster has him basically average just with like yeah. an above average shooting percentages. So I guess, yeah, the lack of dominant categories, but mm-hmm. uh, there isn't a ton else to like in Philly. I mean, most of that was because doc rivers didn't play, but six players like I liked Jalen McDaniels when he was with Charlotte. Um, obviously mm-hmm. that was kind of a, a log jam there. And then they sent him to Philly. And I remember saying uh, the trade deadline show with Adam and Zach saying, hi, I like this uh, Jalen McDaniels move. Like, I think it actually gives Philly some depth. Like I yeah. could definitely see him playing 20 minutes per game and being a solid fantasy contributor. And then Doc Rivers didn't, didn't play him that much. Yeah. And <laughs> when he did play, it's give the ball to James Harden and Joel Embiid and Maxi mm-hmm. get out of the way, just kind of go yeah. play some solid defense. So I still like him as a talent. Hopefully Nick Nurse will dive deep and go to a seventh man on his bench. Hmm. Do you think that he has any sort of fantasy upside? Or I guess also we talked about him. He's a he's a free agent, yeah, unrestricted. So I guess he could sign anywhere. So if he signs yeah. somewhere and gets a role, do you like him as a fantasy player? I do. Um, I'm not as high on him as I am his brother, um, just because obviously you know consistent starter. But I think he has similar attributes. You know, you think about the length and the athleticism, he can be a problem defensively for opposing teams. So I think if you were to stay in Philadelphia, that could be a decent situation in terms of consistent playing time. Because we, we saw Nick Nurse's teams in Toronto where he had, had a lot of those lengthy wings who kind of wreak some havoc defensively. So maybe this is a move that entices McDaniels a bit more to stick around in Philly if the, the 76ers are interested in keeping it. And I think it's it's pretty similar to Paul Reed, who's a restricted free yeah. agent, that mm-hmm. when he played, everybody was really happy, and then he just didn't always play. He, yeah. For some reason, Montrez Harrell was a better option at times as a backup center. I don't think he'll ever – if he sticks in Philly, if they match a contract that he signs, Joel Embiid's there. Like He's not going to yeah. be the starter. But if, he, if they let him walk because he gets too big of a contract or whatever – do you think that he's a guy that has like good fantasy upside or like really, really good fantasy upside? I, I'd say really good. Cause like he mentioned, we haven't really seen as much of him as a lot of people would have wanted. Uh, so who's to say that he can't, I don't think you're going to expect him to suddenly become like a top 50 player, but I think you can get solid middle round value out of him. If he were to land in a spot where he was essentially guaranteed 20 to 25 minutes per night. Uh, the athleticism is there. Um, I don't have his shooting splits in front of me, but yeah, shooting 59% from the field, nearly 75% from the foul line. So those are numbers you can work with, I think, in a player like Paul Reed. Yeah. And then one more thing with Philly, just a rumor that I've seen is that mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet might have interest in joining them. Um I guess kind of reuniting with Nick Nurse, assuming yeah. Harden leaves, I guess. I guess that would kind of defeat the whole Maxi thing. But if mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet signs there, how do you think that kind of impacts them as a team having a championship 
caliber point guard that I think could probably play off the ball a little bit more than Harden. Still yeah. a really good shooter. Like, how do you think he would kind of fit in? Do you think he elevates them or, or how, I guess? I think he would. Um, he's a no-nonsense guy. I think that's kind of what you need in a point guard if you're going to win a championship, um, especially when you're dealing with Embiid. Yeah, I think you need someone to kind of be able to kind of grab him by the jersey every so often and say, you know, we need you here. Uh, and I don't think that always happens with James Harden. But Van Vliet, his percentages were a bit da- have been a bit down. Uh, but I think playing alongside Embiid and Tyrese Maxey could get him cleaner looks offensively. So I think, if anything, a move to Philadelphia would, would boost his fancy value. I think the 76ers would have a better chance, too, of, of being a true contender. Yeah. And we'll move on to our last team um, with the Lakers, who's – who are so fun to talk about because <laughs> nobody really talks about them much. So yeah. uh, they ended up finishing as the seventh seed in the West, almost avoided the play-in, uh, ended up winning their first play-in game, being the Grizzlies in the first round, Warriors in the second round, and then just ran into a brick wall in Denver and got swept. Uh, made really good deadline moves to elevate this team. I don't think that they had much um, outside of LeBron and AD before the trade deadline. Oh, I guess they had Austin Reeves just sitting on their bench, not playing as much as he should have. Um, and then obviously his role increased. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell. Honestly, I, I feel like, okay, okay, Rui Hachimura was a great deadline deal. I feel like whatever they did, whatever moves they made at the trade, the trade deadline, just somehow unlock Austin Reeves. And I feel like that's one mm-hmm. of the big results. Because if you look at it, Jared Vanderbilt was, Good defender, obviously. Malik Beasley was not providing a ton of threes in the playoffs. Um, D'Angelo Russell was awful in the playoffs. (laughs) So those moves weren't exactly elevating this team. I think it was LeBron Mm -hmm. maybe stepping up a little bit and Austin Reeves just being a lot better. Um, I don't – I seriously doubt they have a draft pick. They actually have have their own draft pick. Okay. (laughs) Wow. They have a pick. Nice. So they'll pick 17th. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so they'll have a chance to add in somebody else around that late lottery, which I feel like there actually is a good bit of guys that yeah. could probably get rotation right there. I'm looking at Tankathon. They have Bryce Sensible from Ohio State fitting in or getting picked right there. The next mm-hmm. few picks, according to this, are Leonard Miller, Derek Lively, Chris Murray, Jet Howard. So there is definitely talent that they could find there. Um, but I guess – it also wouldn't shock me if they traded the pick. I mean, if you're trying yeah. to build a contender right now, you know, Gigi Jackson and Derek Lively probably aren't going to mm-hmm. get you over the hump at this point of their career. So where does this Lakers team go from here, I guess, after successful first season with Darvin Ham, good deadline moves, but obviously making the conference finals isn't, your goal with a LeBron James team, especially at this point of his career. They have a handful of guys still under contract for next season, but they also have multiple, quite a few free agents, um, Mm -hmm. including D'Angelo Russell and Lonnie Walker, who are unrestricted, Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves, who are restricted free agents. Do we think that this Lakers team has more regular season success next season? I think that answer is going to depend on what happens with LeBron. Um, I know he, there are some allusions to retirement. I'm not buying that. What's more concerning to me is his right foot. Um, Will he need surgery this summer? And if so, how much time will he have to miss uh, recovering from that? Uh, Because the foot issue is something that lingered for much of the season. Um, He and Anthony Davis, they both have availability concerns. The last time either one of them reached 60 games played in the regular season was that championship run in 2019-20. And to be fair, the entire league was on hiatus for four months due to COVID-19. So that time off really helped both of them um, in terms of their fitness, I would say. Um, But, yeah, a lot of free agents. You mentioned Russell, um, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Schroeder is also a free agent. You know, I think Austin Reeves is the piece that I've heard report. I've read reports that they're going to try to hold on to him at all costs. 
Now, if somebody offers him one hundred million. I would ask what that franchise is doing. But then the Charlotte Hornets. Ask, <laughs> see, yeah, that I'm not mad at him if he gets that type of offer. But hey, good for him. But yeah, I think if anything. <laughs> <laughs> some fiscal responsibility will be key here. Um, Hachimura is probably not going to get type, that type of contract, but those two players seem like guys that the Lakers are highly interested in holding on to at minimum. Um, another player I'm interested, I'm curious about what happens with is Mo Bamba. Um, he missed a lot of the postseason. He pretty much out for some, like, what? I think March out until the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. March until the end of the season with an ankle injury. We've seen him show flashes of what he can potentially do in Orlando, but injuries have long been a concern for him. And I'm not really sure what he's going to be able to give them next season. But yeah, they've got a lot of questions. Malik Beasley has a team option for next season. That's over 16 million. Given how he fell out of the rotation, I'm not sure if they're going to try to bring him back on that price tag. You know, maybe just let him go and see what he gets in free agency because that's a lot of money to pay for a guy who really didn't give you too much from a consistency standpoint um, while he, when he was in a rotation. So, yeah, a lot of questions, but I kind of feel like LeBron and AD will be there. It's just a question of how much they're going to be able to play. Yeah, and I just have to ask this as well. If you compare Austin Reeves getting a four-year, $100 million contract – how much better does that make the Knicks look for their four-year, $104 million contract for Jalen Brunson? And excuse me, and also a 2025 second punishment. Yeah. Yeah, that would be jeez, man. <laughs> make the Knicks look great. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, we can talk about him first because he was awful in the playoffs, but he's been a pretty good fantasy player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For a while. I mean, he was top, uh, let's see, he was 80th this season. The season before, he was 73rd. season before that wasn't very good, but the season before that, he was 59th. Do you, if you were to predict, do you think that D'Angelo Russell is back with the Lakers, or do you think that he tries to sign elsewhere? I think the answer before the playoffs would have been he's definitely back. There's no way they let this guy walk. But he was bad in the playoffs like they shouldn't have had him on the court I think it I think I remember seeing his plus minus and it was in the Denver series they were out they they outscored Denver when he was on the bench and when Mm -hmm. he was on the floor it was it was bad so if you do you think that he's a guy that they even I'm not saying they don't try to bring back because I think everybody can be brought back at the right price do you think that it kind of lines up that it's enough money for him. They're willing to pay him enough to bring him back. Or do you think he walks, tries to find a different team? I think he's going to walk. Um, you know, he made 31 million this season. I don't see him getting that type of money with the Lakers just because they need, you know, to have that financial flexibility to build out the roster. And like you mentioned, he was really poor in the playoffs and the optics of paying someone that type of money after that performance would not be good at all. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've heard rumors about Kyrie Irving. Obviously, he's sitting courtside at game four. I'm interested to see what that would look like just for the potential of being an absolute disaster. But he's a very talented player. Obviously, he played alongside LeBron in Cleveland, won a championship with him. So maybe they'd be that would be able to be enough to keep the train on the track, so to speak, with Kyrie. But yeah, I think the Lakers, it'll depend on the price point. Like, if they can get Russell on maybe like a a short-term prove-it deal, but not at the money he's making right now, it would happen. But I don't think he's going to be interested in that type of contract personally. Yeah, I think the Kyrie point is is pretty interesting, just trying to see you know, whether he returns to Dallas or whether mm-hmm. he just absolutely walks, I think. If there is a situation where I I would trust Kyrie, it would be playing alongside LeBron. I feel like when he was, when they were playing alongside each other, Kyrie was way more reliable than basically everywhere else he's been in his career. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's different now that LeBron is in the phase of his career where he is, where he's not playing the majority of games. 
in his prime, like LeBron's missing games too. Why can't Kyrie kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So it's it would be an interesting dynamic, definitely potential to to flame out with three max paid guys, max contract guys mm-hmm. playing forty games each, and Austin Reeves winning, making an All NBA <laughs> team or something mm-hmm. when they pay him that his his uh, four year hundred million dollar contract right before he's super max eligible because he makes the All NBA yeah. team. But <laughs> they're uh, it's the Lakers, so they're always going to get hyped up, and they're always going to yeah. get plenty of people to talk about them. But it doesn't seem like there is I – mean, they have the flexibility to make moves. The guys they have under contract that we've talked about, LeBron AD, Malik Beasley's the team option, uh, Mo Bamba, Jared Vanderbilt, yeah. Max Christie. That's it. So that's – it could be a very different team next season, obviously, as we talked about. If you're trying to build around an old LeBron and an aging, not durable Anthony Davis – this team could look very different next season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, that might do it for the Lakers talk unless, I mean, if we look at Jared Vanderbilt was 130th in nine cat, um, very good defender, but that's about it. Doesn't actually give you yeah. a ton of defensive stats, like 1.1 steals, 0.3 blocks. Rihachimura was, I don't know, he found some sort of elite, playing level in the playoffs, but yeah. he wasn't that well player in the regular of, season. Yeah. Right. He was 250th, 257th in the regular season. I think mm-hmm. when he first came into the league, you saw the upside. As a rookie, he was 156th. And you're kind of expecting players floor to be their rookie season. But it ended up being his peak so far. So mm-hmm. can he get back to that? Maybe. Um I guess we'll kind of see. I think they have a better outlook than they did coming into this previous season as far as, yeah, I think you're not just saying, oh, it's LeBron and AD, they're going to make the playoffs. Like They actually have some pieces now and some reason yeah. for optimism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, Hachimura, Reeves, those are two big ones that you mentioned earlier. Um, I don't know. I don't even see him being as like a top 150 guy. I don't think he's someone you can draft at that point, but mm-hmm. – he may be someone that you give him a couple weeks into the regular season. He might play well enough to where you pick him up off the waiver wire and go from there. So, yeah. But since he's a Laker that played well in the playoffs, I'm sure people will oh, yeah. actually reach for him. <laughs> Top 75. Oh, no doubt. If you look at the last two games, he was 22nd in fantasy value. Um, I know like 40 players played, but. That's how you identify who's not going to win your league. <laughs> you just scratch them off the list. You have Rudy Hachimura on your draft board. Yeah, guys, he, I, I'm going to trade for his first. I'm going to go ahead and get his pick next season. But mm-hmm. uh, that'll do it for our Lakers talk. Raph, before we go, um, is if you were to give somebody that was interested in getting into content creation or writing, I know you said you got your start just writing about college basketball, wasn't mm-hmm. fantasy related at all. But anybody that's interested in getting into any sort of writing, or podcasting, or just making good old Twitter threads with fun stats, what advice would you give to them? Constantly evaluate yourself. Um, I think that can be difficult at times just because you get within the grind of a season, you kind of get stuck in just kind of doing your job. You know, I have to get this done day to day. So I think being able to take a step back and evaluate yourself consistently uh, can go a long way in terms of helping you figure out you know, your place in, in terms of what you want to do, how you want to go about doing things in, in this in this industry. And I guess as a follow-up, is that something that you found yourself doing when you went from, I think you said you were writing about Seton Hall and then ended up mm-hmm. writing about more college basketball and then also yeah. joining the fantasy basketball side of that as well? Is that something you did there? Yeah, uh, that's, I think, not as much as it, looking back on it as I should have, but I think if anything, that can kind of help because I know myself and I still struggle with this at times, kind of like an imposter syndrome. You know, it's like, am I really, is this a good job? Am I really made out for this? But I think if you can continue to kind of like evaluate yourself, continue to put in the work, that can really help alleviate some of those concerns. Yeah, that's imposter syndrome is a great way to put it. I think that's something I've definitely also felt. And I think a lot of people, 
yeah. feel that way within their jobs. But I think especially as people that are writing, creating podcasts mm-hmm. and just kind of putting it out content for people to either criticize or enjoy. I think yeah. it's definitely mm-hmm. an easy thing to feel within that. Yeah. Um, but that'll do it uh, for this episode, episode nine, the Tank Me Later podcast. Raph, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Um, it should be, I think it'll be about a week before it's available. So the Frank Vogel news may not be the most up to date, but hopefully none of these teams have made any blockbuster moves before this episode comes out. Um, but make sure you like and subscribe or rate the podcast wherever you're consuming it. Um, also be, be sure to check out my Substack, noahrubin.substack.com for a few dynasty columns per week. Raph, you guys can find him at J on Twitter. Raph, what else? I know we talked about the drafts coming up. Uh, what else do you have going on that people should be on the lookout for? Well, I'm finally going to put together a mock draft uh, for Monday. <laughs> nice. All 58 picks. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fun, laborious process. We'll have a few of those. Um, probably do, I don't know, try to figure out some other things to do between now and the draft. And then after that, get a little time before some free agency and then summer league. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I meant to ask this earlier. I know you probably didn't get to watch as much college as you usually do, or maybe you did. Mm. I just know this season was a little bit busier than the rest, yeah. but is there any prospects, obviously not like a, a Wemby or a Scoot, but is there anybody that you're particularly high on? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I'm going to say Grady Dick at Kansas. Okay. Um, I think he's someone that a lot of people look at primarily as a shooter. Um, he can definitely shoot the basketball, but I think he can offer a bit more in terms of playmaking. Um, he wouldn't be a primary playmaker, but I think he's someone that you see in the latter stages of the lottery. I think he'll wind up being one of the better picks in his draft class, to be honest with you. Yeah. So you guys heard it here first. Top five pick in your fantasy drafts, Grady Dick. <laughs> so much fantasy upside. You have yeah. the Raphael Johnson guarantee. There's no way it fails. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Raph, thanks again for joining me. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. All right, cool. Thanks for having me.